Welcome to Value Investor TV Podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner, Hari. Okay, in this episode, episode 31, we're going to talk about discounted cash flow. Um, in the previous episode, we talked about price to book, uh, sum of parts, and price to cash. And these are these are measurements that we talked about in valuation ratio. And this kind of cash flow uh, topic that we're going to cover in this episode, that also we talked about in the valuation ratio. So if you want a quick overview of all the valuation ratios, check out that episode. And if you want to look at, if you want to understand these different valuation ratios that are listed in more detail, check out uh, our previous episodes. Okay, so let's dive into the discounted cash flow. Let's talk about what it is first. Actually, before we do that, let's talk about you know, why is it important to use free cash flow? I think we talked about this in price to earnings and price to free cash flow. But why is it important to use price? Or why is it important to use free cash flow? And why is it more of an accurate measurement of of evaluation? Again, let's go back to kind of the definition of business. Why why businesses exist and why as shareholders, as owners of the business, care about free cash flow? Because free cash flow is is what owners get at the end of a certain period. For example, at the end of a year, uh, we get all the money in our bank. You know, what what do we actually have? What is the cash on the book? Because free cash flow reflects that. reflects It reflects the cash that is available for owners to use for you know three different things. You have all you have this free cash at the end. You could use it to invest it back into the business. You could pay out the dividend, or you could purchase uh, buy back buy back your own stocks. But effectively, the main thing I want to convey to you guys is that free cash flow is a better measurement than earnings than um, than earnings or you know price to book or, or price to earnings or, or price to price to sales uh, stuff like that uh, all these different measurements because free cash flow really is is about what is left at the end uh, what is left at the end for the owners so again I just wanted to highlight that before we talk about the definition of discounted cash flow Yep. The importance of free cash, free cash flow. Okay, let's let's move on to the definition. So, discounted cash flow (DCF) is also short, uh, is also called DCF analysis. Finds the present value of expected future cash flows using a discount rate. Again, I, I want to highlight this again. DCF analysis finds the present value of expected future cash flows using a discount value. There's a lot to unpack there. But I, I want to I want to talk about the time value of money before we actually go into a detail of this. So time value of money is basically a concept that money, a dollar now, is worth more now, currently, than a dollar in the future. So that's 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 basic that's the basic gist of time value of money. And discounted cash flow takes that into account. And so it projects so there are many assumptions that we have to, we have to make in order to fulfill in order to conduct uh, this kind of cash flow analysis, but effectively we are projecting cash flow into the future, and that cash flow we discount that back into present value, and get a get a valuation of, of the company using using that. And so let's let's dive into kind of the more detail. If you have anything else to add here with this discounted cash flow, Hari. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you one of the things that you said there was present value of the money that you had. So that's the free cash flow that they get per year. And then the discount rate, right? <clears throat> so the discount rate is ideally is, well, it's, it's, if a lot of this sounds very kind of math, mathematical, academic, um, 
you know, then you're right. You know, it, it is a mathematical kind of measurement of, you know, and theoretical in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, what, what the discount rate, though, is, is telling you is what if I gave you a dollar a year from now, you know, what or, or if let's say I, I could give you a dollar today or I could give you a, some amount of money in a year from now, how much money would it be a year from now for you to not take the money today? To versus taking it a year from now, right? So you are indifferent to how much money you get today if, you know, versus next year, right? And the idea is that if <clears throat> the way that you would measure that is what are the other places I could put that dollar today versus next year uh, to make this worthwhile, right? And that's yeah. why the discount rate is such a interesting concept, right? Is that if you use the safest ratio, like which is the treasury bill, right? I could put my money in a treasury bill today and I would have, you know, 5% more of my money a year from now, right? If assuming that it had a 5% yield. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> or I could give, you could give me the money today and I could take that money and invest it in something else, right? I could go and invest it in a stock and get a 15% return this year. Right. So the idea that you're really trying to anchor to with this concept is what am I going to invest in? Because this is my opportunity cost mm -hmm. of investing. If yeah. I take this money and I put it somewhere else versus putting it into my uh, uh, versus putting it into a safe investment like a treasury bill or the S&P 500, which I know will give me between five and eight percent then it's not worth my while to put my money into something that's going to get me less than that, yeah. right? And so that's why you want to, what you're trying to measure with these present present and future cash flows is taking all of that money that you have created in the future, discounting it enough that to say that I wouldn't be able to put this elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And, and then, uh, uh, and then getting a number from that, yeah. right? And so what you will find a after all of this is there's a current share price and then there's a share price or market cap that this will generate for you. And then you have to decide, you know, if that's if that's worth, worth your, your, your estimate, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I think, um, I, I think I did a poor job actually in the beginning talking about what it is. So let me just reiterate, reiterate that point. So discounted cash flow is another valuation measurements. Uh, another valuation measurement that people use to assign intrinsic value of the company. And this kind of cash flow is good because you were using, we were using Q for free cash flow and that, that I talked about earlier. But the way you do this is instead of taking, so price to price to earnings or price to you know book or price to sales, all these measurements are really snapshot in time, right? This mm -hmm. is, this is yearly performance. You can average the earnings. You can average the sales. You can average the book over multiple years to smooth things out. But effectively, this is only a snapshot in time. Whereas discounted cash flow is a little bit more than that. It takes into account multiple years of free cash flow. And as I said earlier, you you estimate, you predict future free cash flow into the future, and you add it all up to the present value. Right. We'll talk about the exact formula in the next episode, but I want to just lay it out yep. there that this kind of cash flow, another benefit, a good, a big important benefit of using this kind of cash flow is you're making assessments, making predictions into the future. Yep. And as I said, because you're making 
predictions into the future. That's where, you know, you're making all these assumptions because you have to project how this business is going to do in the future. That can be a that can be a positive thing if you do it right, but it could also be detriment to your to your valuation. So I just wanted to throw that out there before we move on to the pros and cons uh, of discounted cash flow. Okay, let's 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 dive into that then. Uh, so Hari, take us through, you know, why people should use discounted cash flow, and if, even if they use it, what are the some of the downfalls of using discounted cash flow? Well, so the the value of a business is how much profit it can generate from now till eternity, right? That's discounted at some appropriate rate. Yeah. And it's literally what Buffett has called how you value a business, yeah. right? To judgment day, he calls it. Yeah, till judgment day, yeah. right? So <laughs> uh, so when you start measuring what a business is worth, what you're really saying is, if I can't generate a profit and if I can't take money away from the business and still have it function, you know, is the business worthless? Well, not necessarily worthless, but it is something that is hard to measure, right? So that immediately limits you to businesses that actually generate positive free cash flow on a consistent basis, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so there's, you know, that eliminates like 60 or 70% of business. I, I don't know, there's some large percentage of businesses, yeah, right? Um, but it is the most accurate way of knowing what something is worth, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can actually use this metric to measure you know, the value of a business, it's the most accurate way of measuring that business, right? Yeah. Because then you can actually say anchor to something legitimate, right? I mean, book value, earnings, all of those things are difficult um, because at the end of the day, book value is relying on fire. You know, if you have to liquidate a business, I mean, imagine if you had to sell something very quickly, you know, you're not going to be able to get the best price for it, right? Yeah. And so in a fire sale, you know, liquidation is not going to be the best price that you're going to find. Yep. The same is true, but but this is what this is actually measuring is the cash generating potential of the business, yeah. right? And so you're now being able to measure that and compare it against other investment opportunities. And what you may find is that none of the opportunities actually are are able to generate a significant, you know, so I think, you know, three months ago, uh, you know, it's December 2018, you know, in September, the stock market peaked. You would probably have trouble finding investments um, when the stock market is peaking because, um, you know, the investors investor sentiment is very high, and so they they don't price things rationally at that point. You know, the sky is the limit, and you know all of that that those you know things that they say. So DCF is kind of an anchor point to you know to measure something on you know simple measurements. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really the closest measurement to the stocks stocks. Uh, the company's intrinsic value because again yeah. stock a company is is there to exist it, it exists because um the purpose of it is to extract cash out of the business that's yep. the purpose of the business and that's why dcf kind of gets to the closest estimate of stock's intrinsic value yeah yeah and again you know some of the pros uh, like we talked about it uses free cash um it you know it it um it's not really influenced by the short term because we're projecting way out in the future. Um, and also because, like Hari said, if you are able to predict with high confidence the future generating potential of the business, with high confidence, then DCF is a great way to, great way to do that. Yeah, and so this, that goes back to our discussion earlier about understanding the business. You know, it is a lot easier to predict Wrigley Gum's future cash flows than it is, say, Facebook, 
even though Facebook is a much more valuable company today, um, I don't know for sure with certainty what Facebook will look like in five years and yeah. ten years, yeah. right? I, I mean, it may be the, totally the same, and you may be able to understand that. Me personally, I can't. I can't say that I know what a social media company is going to be like in five or ten years because they haven't had a very significant operating history, right? And technology tends to get disrupted. So all of these thought processes are why we had that checklist, right? The checklist is to tell you, can I reliably predict cash flows? Can I reliably predict what this business is going to be like in five or 10 years? Is there a moat that will protect my earning potential? Mm. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm. And, you know, if you think about it that way, then what you start realizing is some businesses are a lot shakier than others because they operate on, you know, um, a foundation, like for example, let's talk about like a company like GoPro, right? So GoPro has, you know, was one of the first companies to make action cameras that, you know, you could attach to your helmet and do all kinds of crazy stunts and then upload to YouTube and things like that. Great, you know, cameras, you know, all of that stuff are all great, um, but it's not exactly a competitive, you know, a moat that can protect them, right? And so, you know, their cash flow. Uh, they may be very profitable. I've never actually looked at their, you know, their, their business. Um, but it's hard to see what that's going to be in five or 10 years. I mean, at that point, has everyone bought a camera that they're going to do? Right. Um, and GoPro may have other lines of business that may protect them, right? So you, what you're really looking for in this space is what do they do and how is that going to stay relevant in the next five to 10 years? Yeah. So. Yeah. And also, and we can kind of talk about this. Uh, later also, but you know, this is very much assumption-driven, assumption-based calculation. So um, like Hari said, if you're able to predict with high confidence, then, you know, by all means, but if you can't, this could really, you know, screw you over. Yeah, which is why you need to take this with a grain of salt and not always um, use it as the, yeah. the <clears throat> you know, be very conservative in your estimates. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And... That kind of is a good segue into the con, and we, we touched on some of these points. So DCF valuation, some of the cons. Uh, so, for example, like assumptions, for example. If you're making all these assumptions based on, you know, making it out of thin air, for example, or, or even if you're anchoring on some some point, but, again, the industry is changing so quickly, such as tech, such as technology industry, then that, that assumptions might change over time, and your, your, your assumption now would be, would be, would be totally wrong. Right. And so that would completely screw you over in your valuation. Well, so think about it this way. If you come in and you say that a company, let's say, let's talk about Macy's because we like to pick on Macy's, right? If we made the assumption that Macy's is going to grow their cash flows by 15% a year, <laughs> right? And it's easy to say, well, yeah, their if their current stock price is around $30 a share, $35 a share. Yeah, they're worth $120 a share. No, because they're not going to grow at 15% a year, right? That would mean that they would double their cash flow in five years. There's no way that that's happening. In fact, you would make the argument that their cash flow is declining, right? Yeah. I mean, because they're shutting down stores and trying to maintain the profitability that they had. Yep. And maybe they can. Maybe it's this is a short-term trend. I don't know. Maybe the online stuff they'll you know will take over. That's something that you have to analyze and see. But if you make your assumptions be you put a very low discount rate or you put a very high growth rate, what will end up happening is you can easily say that this company is cheap when they're not. Yeah. 
Yeah, you really, really easily fool yourself with this. Yeah. Because I know, you know, this kind of cash flow, you know, you, you can easily Google this kind of cash flow spreadsheet or yeah. this kind of cash flow calculator. You'll find, you know, pretty, you know, pr- like pretty complex looking Excel spreadsheet and you're, right. you're sitting there plugging in numbers and, you know, and then boom, you get a, you get a number at the, at the end and, you know, that seems very sophisticated and everything like that, but really it, you can really fall into this trap of making all these assumptions that may not even come true and may be completely, completely false. Well, and, and, you know, the, the danger also, I think that I've heard a lot of people say this, you know, because, you know, I live in an engineering world, right, with software development and things like that is we could just automate discounted free cash flow for every single company and then return a number and then just use that to automate our investment strategy. And what I would say to that is if you're going to do that, prepare to lose money, one. <laughs> Two, you can't think that way. Investing is art before science, right? And so if you start using spreadsheets and automated you know, algorithms, right? Because let's be honest with, with ourselves, right? If you're that lazy that you don't want to do this, like you could think you can automate all of your workflow away, what you're going to find out is you're going to miss lots and lots of deals or you're going to have to invest in hundreds of companies just to make any, uh, you know, and, and then you'll you'll diversify away any of your you know benefits, right? Good deals are rare. Good deals are um, obvious. And, and when you start using spreadsheets and things like that, you're missing the point of, of you know, of this kind of measurement, right? Yeah. It's, you know, Warren Buffett doesn't use a spreadsheet, um, you know, and I think he does everything basically in his head. And that means that he's using simpler math. Um, you know, he's not using growth rates of 7.3%. You know, he's using estimates. And those estimates are conservative, I would imagine, and and so on. So when, when you start doing this, if you look for a spreadsheet... It, Maybe that'll help you understand the concept, but you shouldn't be using that for evaluation. You should be able to think about this more holistically, I think, and and use um, you know rough estimates of what you know a doubling and you know that kind of thing will be. Yeah, um, I think something that you said right there, and something that you told me early on in my investment career is, if you find some, if you find yourself sitting away, chugging away numbers in Excel spreadsheet, then stop right there because that is not a good investment. Yeah, if you. A good investment has to be obvious, and this kind of cash flow has to be really obvious. Uh, you, you know, if you if you find if you find yourself doing that, uh, you know, could reconsider your investment uh, investment thesis. Yeah, because it, let's be honest: if it if changing the growth rate from six to seven percent is the difference between investing and not investing, that means there's no margin of safety in yeah. that investment, right? And that's very very important to understand, yeah. right? Is there should be significant margin of safety at a conservative growth rate to even, you know, to consider this, yeah. right? So that even if your estimates are slightly off, you're still not going to lose out, right? Yeah. That's kind of what you should be thinking about yeah. when you do this. Because you are going to get your assumptions wrong. Yes. Your assumptions are going to be wrong. 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So even if they are, but what you want to be doing is getting vaguely right rather than exactly wrong, yeah. right? And that's kind of the thought process that you should be thinking about is, my discount rate shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't be exact, yeah. right? I mean, it can't be exact. You know. What do you know? What the you can't measure that, right? Yeah. And so you should be thinking more along the lines of, what is the number that are reasonable and conservative in my assumptions? Yeah, yeah. So that's, we talked a lot about 
just kind of cash flow in this episode. Um, you know, it, there's a lot. There's a lot of good benefits of using this kind of cash flow, and there's some some cons there also. Um, but along with other valuation measurements we talked about, it's always good to take all these measurements, all these ratios, with grain of salt because, like Harry said, it's investing is you know is, is a lot more of an art than than science. So take that into account when you're digesting and and trying to understand these different ratios and using it in your investment process. Okay, anything else you want to add here in this episode, this kind of cash flow, Hari? Yeah, I think just in episode 32, we'll go through um, the formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it may be worthwhile, um, you know, if you're driving right now to go and when you get home to actually download one of these, you know, Excel spreadsheets just to understand them, um, you know, so that you can see that when we look at this next episode, because it'll... You know, it's hard to describe a formula over yeah. audio, yeah. but um, it may be worthwhile just to just to play with it and understand what what are the kind of inputs and outputs. Yeah. And you know, some people will include you know ask you to put in like multiple growth rates, like the first five years, what is a earnings yeah. going to grow, and the next ten years, you know, the next five years after that, and then what is a terminal growth rate, and all of these other things that we're going to talk about. <clears throat> um, so it may be helpful just to preload your mind with some of these concepts so that when so you you see them uh once and then when we talk about it next time you'll understand what they are yeah very very good point okay we will see you guys on the next episode thank you all for listening episode 31 thank you thanks mm-hmm.